This episode is part of the series Know Your Candidates. Conversations with the candidates for the election of 2019 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. Radio Plasma does not support or oppose any candidate for public office. This is a nonpartisan, independent media outlet dedicated to promoting a peace culture, embracing diversity, sharings of opinions and ideas, and ensure all voices are represented in our media. This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Welcome to our series, Know Your Candidates, conversations with the candidates to Holyoke City Council in the 2019 municipal election of November 5th. I'm Johan Rashivega, and our guest is Joseph McGivern, City Councilor at Large. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. Johan, thank you, and thank you for having me, and please call me Joe. Thank you, Joe, and what an honor to have you, to have you here. Uh, this is the very first time we are getting this opportunity of having an interview, and I hope this is the first of many in the future, so we can have conversations about what is the work being done in City Council, particularly coming from someone who has such a history of experience, trajectory, and all sort of perspectives and different points of view and situations that the city of Holyoke has been going through for the past decades. And since you joined in 1980, you have seen a lot of different stages being part of the city council, being president of the, of the council as well, acting mayor. So there is a lot of experience to learn from and you are still willing to continue working for the city of Holyoke for two more years. Well, I am, as long as the voters are willing to put me back in. And I think that's the key part of government is the election keeps us in touch with our, you know, with our constituents, with the voters themselves, and to know the issues and to reassure them that the way we make decisions is the way that they wish us to make decisions. This year, we are seeing an interesting number of candidates looking up to join city council For the first time, some of them, others in their second attempt to join. How do you feel? How does that make you feel seeing this engagement from people wanting to join city council? It, that's a positive thing. Um, I think the more people involved in an election, the stronger, the healthier the election is. And a good election makes a stronger and healthier government. Um, I, nothing is should ever be taken for granted. Anyone who is elected is, is there at the whim at the wish of the voters. Um, we, we have to recognize that. So when we participate in a campaign, we're participating in a process that brings good democracy to the city of Hoyoke. What are, for you right now, when you are looking up to continue the work for a new term, some of the priorities that you identify the city of Holyoke needs to address? Well, I think there's some ongoing priorities that are always very important. Um, Hoyoke, um, if you know the history of Hoyoke, you, under, you may understand why we have a number of different issues, a number of different problems that we have to address. Um, one, one of the areas that I've always felt strong about is, is working on economic development. 
Uh, the past several mayors have appointed me to the Economic Industrial Corporation. The members of that board have elected me as their treasurer. Um, we, we do different projects, have had some success, and we're trying to promote new industry. And at the same time, we have a revolving fund, loan fund, that allows existing industries to make low-interest, no-interest loans to keep them in business. Economic development is important because I think our second most important priority is education. The City Council uh, is a little bit more involved with the schools more recently since they went into receivership. Unfortunately, we have a good school committee, but unfortunately receivership kind of takes them out of the picture. So we've been working closely with the uh, receiver who was, who was our superintendent, his uh, business manager, Anthony Soto, and Dr. Zreich. And we're trying to help them with the budget through their process as they're doing their jobs. Um, one of the key issues we had talked to a couple of years ago was about the, the condition of our schools. And Dr. Zreich put together a building committee, advisory committee. Uh, that committee came back and recommend a master plan, which would be to build two middle schools. And that would really what, we're, what they're attempting to do is to get, as they get the older kids out of the elementary schools, to be able to consolidate the existing elementary schools, which would be a savings of close to $4 million to make the, the schools more efficient in their operation and to be able to take the four best elementary schools with some money and to keep them in good shape. At the same time, to build two state-of-the-art uh, middle schools would accommodate what is projected in about four years of 1,100 middle school um, age students. So we, we think that's important. Um, unfortunately, our battle is not locally but the MSBA, under a, a mandate from the state auditor, has tried to change the formula of how school building assistance comes to, to the cities. And they say we're automatically 80%. When, when the last school we built, we were 90%. The last school we renovated, you know, we were 80% with some, some um, at the high school with some issues where we were under 80%. But this new formula that they're working with as a construction cap puts us at 58 percent that that's not correct with a gateway community it's not correct with a community like Hoyoke with a large proportion of low-income families because getting back to that education and economic development priority my goal has always been to, to do the things you need to break poverty, the poverty cycle, to give people the opportunity to work, to get a good job, you have to have the opportunity to have a good education. So it all goes hand in hand. And I'd like to continue to work on those issues because I think we have, we're at a crossroads where we can get a lot of people good educations, get a lot of people there, not just our public schools, but into college and into a position where they can get good jobs. And when they're ready for a good job, we want to have those new jobs available. And this is bringing us to the point where the question uh, that is going to be also included on the ballot for the election on November 5th for the people of Holyoke to decide about the tax exemption, meaning that based on this decision, this project will move forward so City Council can vote on how, in case that this happens and the construction of the schools how the tax will be established for residents and also for business. What do you think will be the possible challenges as a body in city council to take care of on both sides of the situation, thinking on the possible outcomes? 
That is a good question, Johan, and it's a very confusing issue. The, the override vote is just one part of the puzzle. And the override vote is, when, when you look at the way the process works, the total project is $132 million. The MSBA is committed to that 57, 58%, which is $72 million. If we were to get to the 80%, which I think would make the project work, that would be $106 million from the state, and we would have to fund the, the remaining $26, $27 million. Over a 30-year period, if we were to bond for $26 or you know, $27 million, it wouldn't be that much of an increase on taxes for both our homeowners, and, and it also would not be that much of an increase on the commercial property owners of the city. And that's important because a healthy commercial um, community, a healthy business community, makes for a healthier city overall. So right now, it, it's actually you know a, a step after the vote. If the voters decide they're willing to go forward with a portion of their property tax to be dedicated to paying off that 30-year bond, then the city council has to actually vote on the bond itself. The city council right now, and I can only speak for myself, is not prepared to vote in favor of 50, $57 million, which is about what it is at right now. Um, we're trying to work with the governor, the legislature, and being told we have to work with the state treasurer to see additional monies come from Boston to offset what property owners would be paying. Um, if that doesn't happen, I'm afraid that even if the voters are in favor of the override, that we don't have enough votes to be able to borrow the money because we would not only be hurting homeowners, but we would be destroying the business community at, at the $57 um, million mark. So we're hoping that something between now and we have until the end of December to vote on the bond, something between now and then takes place in Boston to make them, I, I mean, I hate to say it, I like to be nice, but to make them wake up and realize that they have to be fair to this community. There, there are some good signs coming out of Boston. The Chapter 70 monies, which is the monies that are dedicated to education, they have finally, and they've been working on it for two years, redone the formula. They're recognizing that you know it's it's always been a low-income community gets additional dollars through through chapter chapter 70s through their formula, but they're recognizing that they have to do even more. And what they have what they've understood, and I think it's partly because of our receiver is, has conveyed this message, is there is a a high cost for special needs students. There is a a significant jump in special needs students students when we go into a lower income communities. So they changed the formula to direct more money towards special needs. That is gonna help out tremendous with our budget. Remember, we're gonna save $4 million if we consolidate the schools. We could see in over the 10 year period an additional $25 million coming into those special line items that work with students of other, not just underprivileged, but students with special needs. So if we can do this together and we can get that cost borrowing number down, we have a project, a master plan that would be something we have not seen in decades to get our schools back on their feet and to, and to work with the families that need the public school education. So it's, it's not over yet, but you know it's gonna be two votes. The voters to say, they, yes, go ahead. The city council then making the tough decision if the state comes through with the extra money. I appreciate that you are giving this explanation and putting it in a perspective that gives an angle 
that is not taking a position as we are constantly seeing where people is being asked or immediately put into question what is your position on the schools and apparently there is no way to answer right that question because if you are in favor yes but there are some arguing points on that if you answer no same thing and that is something that i've been noticing how polarizing and dividing this discussion has become to the point that is actually not an easy conversation to have, not because of the understanding of the issue or the actual common interest from, from people, but the arguing itself yeah. has been so dividing and so polarizing. So I appreciate that you are bringing this perspective in a more conscious and neutral point of view. Oh, I, I appreciate that, Johan, because I learned a long time ago to, when you draw a line in the sand and you dare someone to step over it, you don't accomplish anything but arguing, fighting. And when you argue and fight, you don't accomplish what you need to do. My, my approach to government has been to, to understand every side of a story, every side of an issue. And when you understand all issues, you then have to go back, and in our case, there's 13 city councilors, and work with the 12 city councilors to find common ground. And once you find common ground, there's a compromise there that, that would be what a decision to be made that would be what's best for the entire community. Um, just to decide that this is wrong, this is not going to work, and to, and to, and to make those, those arguments without letting the whole, the whole issue, the whole story play out, isn't going to accomplish anything. So I, I think we have to work harder when the city council was, you know, made their decisions. We have to work with the mayor, and, and the mayor, you know, has a position. And hopefully, you know, the mayor looks looks at the same way I look at government, and for the most part, Mayor Morse does, is that we can find common ground and we can compromise. But right now, we are all working with Boston, um, from our state rep, from our state senator. They have filed different legislation requests. The governor and, and, and the president of the Senate and the Speaker of the House is aware of the situation, and they, I think they agree. And I don't blame the MSBA. The MSBA is doing the, charge, the job excuse me, that they were created for, and they're doing the job consistently. And I don't think they can publicly say it, but I think they understand our predicament. So our, our, our hope is that this comes from higher up from the legislature, from the, the Senate, from the, from the governor, and if we need, you know, the state treasurer to, to weigh in from, from the state treasurer itself. But, you know, to, just, just to, to make arguments for the sake of trying to defeat something is not going to accomplish what is not going away. Our, our buildings, our public school buildings, need work. We need to face the fact that sooner or later, we're going to have to build one, and, and there was an argument about whether it should be one school or two schools, which is interesting, but we're going to have to build one or two schools regardless to accommodate the population. And if you went back to those numbers, there's, there's going to be 1,100 middle school age students, you know, in, in the very near future. By accommodating them, we, we were able to consolidate and accommodate the entire school population and make sense out of it. So I, I, I think it's, it's better to, to work together find the common ground, and come up with a good compromise. In other aspects, in talking a little bit about the performance of city council, particularly when you have seen so many different iterations of it through the years, how do you think at this point city council has been effective and has accomplished different things? And at the same time, what do you think will be some of those opportunities for improvement? Um, 
I think it's, you know, the city council can be difficult, you know, and, and I think we're purposely and, and correctly, you know, made up of ward councilors who are very, need to be in touch with the individual neighborhoods that they, that they serve, need to be in touch with those type of issues, but they still vote on citywide issues. And us at large, you know, we, we, we run at large citywide. We know the citywide issues. We have to work with the ward councilor to understand the neighborhood issues and to, and to put it all together. Quality of life is, is what the city council strives to protect. And, and that means the services, because essentially the city is a service provider. Public safety, our police and fire, DPW, our streets, our, you know, our infrastructure, parks and rec, you know, you know the, that passive entertainment, the play, just having playgrounds, having ball fields for, for children, for, for young adults, for adults to play on is all parts of, part of what we want to offer in terms of quality of life. So I, I think the city council works hard at that. And, and you know, because our, our budget constraints, you know, our, our dollars are tight, sometimes, you know, we work very hard at that, you know, trying to figure out which is, which is best and which we can save. But I believe a good city council is a council that strives to protect those services. And, you know, it's easy to say we can't afford something, but sometimes we've got to say, how do we find the money so we can afford it? And, and I, I believe that that's where the direction we're going in. And I see more and more city councilors fighting for that. In some of the interviews with other candidates, I've been asking them what is that they can bring to the table with their experience or their expertise. In your case, you are at this point uh, the one with the longest trajectory as a city councilor and you have seen many iterations of it. What do you think at this point is what you can continue make sure City Council does should you continue two more years? I, first of all, I, I would like to say is you didn't call me old. <laughs> and, and I laugh because whenever, whenever this subject comes up, because I, I am finishing 40 years, <laughs> I started very young, very young. I started when I was 23 years old. But I'm finishing 40 years, and there are three city councilors who are actually older than me on the council right now. And it doesn't make a difference who they are because I don't think age is relevant. I think young at heart is what, what this is about. And you have to have that, that stamina, but you have to have that commitment to, to want to be on the city council, especially for a long period of time. I, I do believe, though, experience is, is part of what I have. And it's not my experience as much as it is the number of different people I've worked with over the 40 years, different city clerks, different mayors, different city councilors. When I started, we were called aldermen, and we changed that to be more correct and, and, and made, our, made the name, uh, the, you know, the city council itself. But that experience is, is from people, and that's what we do. We work for people to keep and to improve their quality of life. And I think my experience is not just knowing how government works, but knowing how the people who are in government, how they work and how they do their jobs. So I, I bring that to the table because they, some, some people think I'm the historian because I come up with a story for everything. Um, I, I know many people before me that were like that. And if that's what they think I am, I'm, I'm honored because I think the stories of Hoyoke are what make us better elected officials and what make us better understand the needs of Hoyokers today. You need to know your past to be able to be in your present and to work for the future. And I think it all goes hand in hand. And, and if anything, that's what I have to offer. I, I'm, I like to listen. 
I like to listen to other people. And as I said, I think finding common ground and looking to compromise is part of what our, our goals are and part of what our goals are to accomplish to do better things for this city. As you can see, we are doing our session in the Holy Public Library. And this is because we are having our session with a group of teens who come here and spend time engaging in different activities. What will be your message for youth who are also about to become the borders in the city of Holyoke for more civic engagement? Well, Johan, we're, we're sitting in a room that is brand new to the public library, but about 45 feet um, you know, to my right was the old uh, teen room, the old children's library is what they called it. And we can look back into the what's left of the, the original library, and I think that plays hand in hand in what I just said about knowing the history and knowing where you are. But the, the teens of Foyok right now are, are, are the future of the city of Foyok. And I think the fact that they're taking time to participate in learning what, what, your, you know, what your profession is about and learning what the library is about in terms of, of not just the knowledge. Not to, when I came to the library, we came for books. Now, now, now teens come to the library, they come for the, you know, the access to online, the access to social media, the access, to, but always the access to knowledge. And, and I think teens that, that are here, are, are the statement is, is their own, is that they are looking for knowledge. They're looking for what to make, you know, how to make their future better. And when that happens, eventually, if they decide to be part of government, they make government better. So the message is stay positive, gain knowledge, and, and, and be prepared because someday your, your calling may just be, you know, in city government. You just recently had your official uh, launch of your campaign. Yes. And you are now doing all the proper reach out to the different communities throughout the city. How can people get to know more about your campaign and get in touch, have opportunities to get to talk to you in person? Always talk in person is what I enjoy. And, and I welcome one-on-one -on -one conversation, whether it's a phone conversation, whether it's over a cup of coffee, or whether it's a, a coffee hour that we sponsored in, in a smaller group. Um, I have an email. Thankfully, because when I started this, you know, there wasn't real, there was, wasn't social media the way we know it now. But thankfully, I have two very active daughters uh, who in, in their, their own careers, their own professional careers, they work in marketing and sales. And both of them have taken, have taken an active part in the campaign. My oldest daughter, Brenda, is in charge of our website. You know, so that website has my background, a lot of what we're talking about, a very... Um, very quick, but points of views, platforms, things that we're talking about. But also it has contact information, how to get a hold of me by telephone, by mail, by email. How to, how to, and the other daughter, not the other daughter, but they, I call her my younger daughter, Kelly, is in charge of the Facebook and a number of other different things. So Kelly keeps that Facebook, you know, on, on a weekly basis with, you know, just simple postings, uh, a lot of pictures, a lot of events, a lot of what's going on. And again, how to, how, to get, how to stay in contact with us. So we, we welcome contact. We're, thankfully to my, my two daughters, you know, we're using social media to have that message out there on a readily basis. But we also like the old-fashioned, the coffee hours, the, 
get out and meet people, you know, be out to different, as many different events as you possibly can, see and be seen and be available to talk one-on-one. There, there isn't a time when I'm out, you know, for any type of social event where some issue of the city doesn't come up and we talk about it. And some people apologize and they say, don't apologize, because that's my job. And even though we're here for a different reason, I, I feel I am more than comfortable talking about issues at any time. I want to thank that openness and that willingness to be available for for this type of request, including this very interview we're doing right now, because that is one way to show that you are available, that you are open to listen to any type of concerns, comments, or requests from constituents from the city, which is another way to teach and show particularly the, the group of, of teenagers in here, that transparency and accountability are important elements of being part of the local government. You know, it's, it's transparency, it's, it's being upfront, being honest. And when you're around for 40 years, there's no doubt I've taken a vote or two that have made voters upset. You know, maybe not be the same voters on the same vote, but you just can't do your job and make everyone totally happy. But if you do your job, and, and I've always said this, know not just both sides, know every side of an issue. If you listen to what people are saying and then make your decision, I think voters recognize that. Maybe I disagree with Joe this time, but I know he's trying his best, and he, he has his reasons for voting this way. So I think the message is, is you know, both with teens, but both with everyone in the city of Holyoke is, Listen to what's going on. You know, we, we, we need to understand each other better. We need to work with each other better. And when it comes time to make a decision at that given moment, the best decision is made. And if it's something that we, you know, doesn't work, we can correct it or go on to a second um, plan B or something to, to make it work. But it, it's being out there and transparency and, and always, you know, being honest with the voters. So what it will be as a way to make the, the official statement of your campaign, the message for the people of Holyoke to consider voting for Joe McGivering for two more years working as city councilor at large. Well, I, I hope one of the reasons that anyone would consider um, keeping me on the city council is that they see me as a voice of reason, that, I, that I'm willing to, to talk out a situation, I'm willing to, to work out a situation regardless of a small issue or a big issue. And more important, I'm willing to work with all the members of the city council and, and thus we're working with all the residents of the city of Foyoke for them. So I, I, I think that's it's the way I do business I think is what, you know, is the best thing I can I can offer and, and that you know I will continue to be you know that type of counselor that is looking for the best interests of the entire city. We have such a great history. We have something to protect. We have a wonderful future to look forward to. And by remembering where we came from, and it wasn't always easy for the people who lived in the city, it isn't easy for all the people who live in the city now, but for remembering this is what, what projects us into going into the future and getting a better quality of life out there for everybody. Once again, what it will be the way for people to get to know your campaign online? Okay. Well, website, mcgivernforhoyoke.com. Okay. Uh, Facebook, Joe McGivern City Council at large Facebook. Pretty easy to get into. Uh, the email address is there. The telephone number is there. And, and if you want to just meet me, if you want to come down to City Hall on a, a night where we're having a meeting, you know, I'll be glad to, uh, to take time out or after the meeting to talk to you. 
but the, the more um, people reach out, the better and more comfortable I think it is to, to feel to vote for, uh, for, for a candidate, and, and I hope that more people do reach out. Uh, the city clerk recently, recently drew the ballot. And as you noted, there are 12 good candidates this year, you know, five incumbents and seven uh, newcomers, uh, a couple that have run before. So they're experienced in what a campaign is about. And I'm looking forward to meeting them on the campaign trail. Uh, my daughter called me up right away because I don't go to the drawing. She goes, Dad, you're last. I go, Kelly, that's okay. She goes, Dad, you're last out of 12. No one's going to have any votes. Kelly, this is our campaign. If you like what Joe McGivern is about, save one of your six votes for Joe. This is our conversation with Joe McGivern, Holyoke City Councilor at Large, looking up for two more years in a new term in this municipal election of November 5th. And remember, the last day to register to vote is October 16th. For more information on how to register, you can visit holyoke.org or you can also go to the city clerk's office in Holyoke City Hall. Joe, thank you so much for your time and for your service in city council. Yuan, thank you and uh, I appreciate you both having me here and the work that you do to help us get our message out. The session of our series Know Your Candidates on Radio Plasma has been recorded in the Holyoke Public Library in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening.